Well, it's camp meeting day two, and they're singing, and I don't know what they're singing. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah, I don't recognize it when I walked on the ground. Tell you what, I'm unhappy about, and we're going to talk about this in the board meeting, the committee meeting. Is it are we a board or are we a committee? Um, I think board sounds more executive. Yeah, it sounds more. Hang on, the old song leaders took your place, <laughs> hadn't he? Yeah. First of all, we need to know, where were you guys at yesterday? Just doing the back scenes stuff. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it, before it's over with, we'll probably be just having this camp meeting with just me and whoever yeah. the guest speaker is. Let's call that behind the scenes, not back scenes. Look, I appreciate what y'all have been doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate what y'all do for the podcast, yeah. but to miss the first day of camp meeting, that's that's a little over the top. Well, the people wanted a good hot meal fixed, yeah. so. Yeah. I understand. Plumbing's got to work. I can't understand this. I can't understand what they were singing. I know. And it said the page number, but I don't know what Page book. 58. 58? I don't yeah. know what that is. Here's the other thing I wanted to address. Whoever was playing the horn, the trumpet, I'm not against the brass section. I mean, brother Brad's brother plays a woodwind instrument, mm-hmm. and he I'm does. not against that, but it was kind of overpowering the rest of the singing. <laughs> trumpet has the tendency to do that. Yeah. Does it? You need that little thing in the end. What the is mute. that thing? I don't know. <laughs> the but mute. All you is that tr- what it's called? The mute. Yeah. All you trumpet players out there, go buy that little thing <laughs> yes. that fits in the end, Get and everybody will thank you for that. <laughs> yes. The Lord will th- the yes. thank you for it. Lord bless you it for It looks doing like that. a plunger. Yes. Kind of. And that would work. Without the handle. Yeah. Yeah. And that would work too. That would, would work too. It would. I don't know. Maybe even a Kleenex box at <laughs> go, times. Go buy you a plunger or a Kleenex box. Boy, it's a good camp meeting, ain't it? Yeah. It feels good in here, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It is good to have camp meeting again, though, this year. I didn't know if we was going to get to or not. Well, it's been hot. It has been hot, and uh, one of the things that's been worrying me is we've had so much other stuff going on with this podcast. It's just reached a place now to where I thought camp meeting wasn't going to be able to be possible. We don't meet here once a month with those special interviews anymore, and uh, I just thought we might need to forfeit camp meeting because we were all so busy, but you can't ever get too busy to go to camp meeting. You can't be too busy for God. How about the, uh, I'll say it like that. Yeah, too, never too busy for How God. about the fan blades? Has any of them came off this year? <laughs> there might be a little wobble to them. Okay, uh, speaking of fans, uh-huh. is it okay nowadays to have the battery-operated little fan? Or uh, It looks a little a bit showy and, and can't mean honestly. Yeah, it's been around a while. Because they I'm, won't just stop at that. They're going to buy the one with the, the sprayer the on it, The mister bottle. That's yeah. That's... Too far. That's that's pride. Right but there. as a guy, like if y'all are up preaching and you're walking through and there's seventy five 
little fans being held up. Is that distracting? <laughs> just just a tad because they're not usually, or, they don't blend in with the outfit. They're always it, some neon color. Is it any more distracting than a piece of cardboard on a paint stir stick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the olden days. That tells your favorite funeral, funeral home. Funeral home. <laughs> advertising for your favorite funeral uh, nothing home. Nothing says get in on camp meeting like a funeral home. <laughs> what about the Chinese kind that, Oh, that yeah. folded out. The old, yes, sir. It had, the accordion? Like a, it had a real nice floral print on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The Chinese. Those could be a little distracting. But you know boy. what? They were they were space savers when it comes to putting it in your oh, watch yeah. purse. Oh, just and, <laughs> clip that thing over the top. And the person like five down was getting a little bit of a <laughs> oof, oof every once in a yeah. while. Yeah. So I say bring those back. Yeah, those are. But the modern camp meeting of enclosed Tabernacles has kind of taken over. Yeah, and, I, a, and I'm a fan. I see what you did there. <laughs> I like that actually. <laughs> I'm proud of Brother Brad for saying that. Yeah, he's a fan of the fan. Does it change though the meeting when they get enclosed camp meeting? I mean, I'm Brother just, Brad grew up going to an indoor camp meeting and getting a lot of help, so he doesn't feel that way. It was open. Yeah, Central um, Oklahoma Youth Camp was open. It was for, open. Oh, was that the only camp meeting you went to? No, Bristow. It was open. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oklahoma's been outdoor camp meeting strong. But it has what, been. This yeah. younger generation's changing things. I think, though, the thought, okay, and I, we may have talked about this before. So you work all day, mm-hmm. and a lot of people work in an air-conditioned place. Mm-hmm. You get in an air-conditioned car. Yeah. You go to an air-conditioned home. You go to an air-conditioned church. But then like one or two weeks out of the year, you go sweat to death out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> and that sometimes I think is sweating a, and swatting, getting the mosquitoes little, off. <laughs> it's distracting, I think, to some degree, because yeah. you're not that's not the norm, it's not like, the life you live. That's right. what it was like. 50 years ago, you know, people was just, it was just another day. Yeah. That's yeah. why you can't find one of those accordion fans anymore. Nobody <laughs> uses those. They don't need them. <laughs> I don't know. I've just kind of wondered if that wasn't where the, the breakdown was. I tell you what, the hottest I ever was, was preaching an outdoor camp meeting here in, in the state of Oklahoma back in 2018-ish, maybe, 2018. And it was probably 95 degrees at 7 o'clock when we started church. Mm. There's no breeze there. The sidewalls on the campground was a little bit low to shade the sun from everybody's eyes in the evening time. And you talking about it felt like you stepped inside of an oven. Yeah. I thought I would literally pass out preaching. And I mean, that wasn't even my good preaching either. (laughs) (laughs) I felt that way in a good altar service at youth camp before where you feel Mm -hmm. some heat stroke coming on. But I will say we've had some services when you were sweating to death and it was stout. That's my deacon right there. Man, I wouldn't trade for some of them. Let's, I tell you what, let's go out there and tear those walls up. (laughs) Unplug those air conditioners. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of camp meeting, we've, we've got a guest speaker in here at this camp meeting on day two. We haven't even let him say anything. It's my good friend, Brother Dave and Burnett, how are you, Brother Dave? Well, I'm doing great, Brother Dave. What do you think about our uh, 
our camp meeting well, so I'll far. Well, I'll tell you what, you got a good crowd here. And <laughs> yeah. I'm all on board for the closing it in. Are you? Yeah, there we go. I was a little nervous. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know what your reaction no, was going to be to that. I'm usually old school on a lot of things, but not on that. I'm ready for, for yeah. the new updated version. <laughs> I'm like you. I've preached one one time, the, probably the same one you did outdoors. My goodness, it, it was hot. Unbelievable. Yeah, I agree with Brother Dustin. It's very, very distracting when you're used to it. Uh, air conditioned mm-hmm. everything we do is air conditioned and yeah. then you yeah. go into that and I think it uh, affects people's concentration mm-hmm. and their worship and every too. part of it oh, I understand the feel of it is awesome and, and you really can't replicate that in a in a closed setting but right. still yeah. yet I think you do more good than harm when you close one in but anyway it's just my feelings or whatever whatever works out well but, it looks like we're yeah. in unity here there's unanimous yeah. feeling it could be too that that even people with air conditioners are not like the older generation with their air conditioners. I went to visit my great-grandmother one time. I was probably about 19, something like that. Walked in, and I'm like, whoo, Grandma, it is hot in your house. She said, yeah, I'm, I'm noticing it is a little bit warm. It was like August probably, 100-plus degrees outside. And I'm like, you know, what's going on? It's, it's too hot in here. She was drenched with sweat. I was becoming drenched with sweat. <laughs> She was like, I don't know what in the world is going on. My air conditioner's turned down on 81, and it hadn't kicked, <laughs> kicked on in a while. So I don't think that the younger generation keeps that old thermostat up in the 80s no, to try to no. cool off either. No. Maybe it was just cooler when we were younger. Mm. I mean, are you talking like global warming? Is that what you're t- trying to talk <laughs> yeah, about? that's what I'm trying to slip in Cause here. Because I'm, I'm leaving if you are. Oh, man. Have you seen those glaciers? <laughs> they're melting away boys no that's brother dustin's cause right there mm-hmm. i like going green mm-hmm. well we are tremendously honored to have you brother david yeah well, it's a great honor to be here and just thrilled about it yep i got a lot of tremendous memories in my life and in my ministry back in 2006 you called me our families go way back. Yes, that's We've been true. close friends. My granddad, your granddad were best of friends. And we actually, in my younger years, weren't super close. But in 2006, you just started pastoring a few months previous to that, I think. Yes, that's correct. In uh, February, I think, of 2006, when I started pastoring. So we came to preach for you in July of 2006. And then came back a couple years later, and then a couple years after that, 2006, 2008, and 2010. I preached three revivals for you there in Kentucky. That yeah, that's why I had to resign. You was more popular than I was. <laughs> <laughs> had to get out ahead of it. <laughs> that, that very thing is what me and Brother David have in common is a sense of humor. We have had more fun than anybody should be allowed to have. Yeah. That first revival is really what caused us to become really close friends and you've been instrumental in several pivotal points in my ministry god used you to speak to my heart directly i can think of one time in particular i was in a in a decision point and i'd ask god to show me which way to go and your phone call was the phone call you said i don't i don't have any idea why i'm even calling you but you you spoke what you felt and it was something that only god knew that along with your great sense of humor is what drew us together we've had many wonderful experiences and i'm glad you're here 
Yeah, it's such a great, great honor to be here. I feel the same way about your ministry. It's been a great inspiration to me. And going back to your dad and your grandpa and mm-hmm. growing up, your grandpa was the only evangelist we had for many, many years. Is that know? right? The snow would start falling in January and the, the temperature would dip and you knew it was about time for revival with Brother G. And Is that right? They'd roll in and yeah, we'd have three, four weeks of revival and man, I ain't no telling how many times I got saved under your grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> He was a master at really me in. <laughs> Man, I didn't realize that that the ministry had that profound effect yeah. on you. You know, one of the uh, one of the great memories I have. Well, I have a lot of memories of your grandparents, but one of the memories I have probably the first time I ever got baptized. I guess I got baptized several times. <laughs> Took a while to get on the rock. Couldn't ever find the rock. <laughs> I finally found the rock. Well, that's a good thing too. But uh, we went out into the Mississippi. Mississippi River at Wycliffe, Kentucky, had a baptizing, and I remember it was, I don't know, it may have been in March, and I, I just remember I was eight years old, I'm pretty sure. My dad told me, said, when you walk out there in that water, it's going to be cold, and don't you say a word. You just suck it up and take it. <laughs> wow. And uh, just keep your mouth shut and just go, and I did. Man, I remember it was so cold. <laughs> but we went out there, and your grandpa was, was baptizing, and I don't remember if... Uh, there was another brother helping him or not. Of course, the Mississippi River has a lot of tugboat activity and lots of barges run up and down that river, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of river uh, barge business there. And those tugboats, while we were out there and your grandpa was baptizing, they stopped in honor of us baptizing. Is that right? They sure did. And wow. we, we noticed that and they'd stop and was just sitting still while we got through. And there was probably 15 or 20 of us got baptized wow. that year. That was a really great memory that I'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah. Along with many, many others. So, yeah. And yeah. which time was that that you had got saved? I don't know if it was first or second. <laughs> I kind of lost track of them back here. But uh, yeah, probably probably the first time, I imagine. There wasn't no rocks in the Mississippi. No, it's all sandy <laughs> by Just couldn't, couldn't find it nowhere. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You just wonder if today, if they would give any kind of respect to people if they seen them baptizing yeah, yeah or if they would even know even, really yeah. what was going on yeah very likely they it's wouldn't. probably something that was back in their childhood yeah, or something yeah. that they were yeah that captain probably had seen that before may have even been baptized yeah in yeah a river somewhere yeah so, that's yeah, that's, that's a really neat exactly story right. it, it is. is my granddad you mentioned him preaching revivals there he was in the ministry for 70 plus years evangelized wow. only and never pastored a church and he had a profound effect on your area of the country but he was yeah. from not far from there yeah that's exactly that's where right. he was raised yeah and one of the first churches that he went to he got saved at 11 years old, but one of the first churches that they got, he and his brother went to, uh, was there where you were uh, raised, and it's called the Glory Barn. Yes, sir. So do you want to give a little uh, snippet of how that became a church? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a pretty neat history that I am always enjoy telling. Mm-hmm. My great-grandpa was the Sunday school superintendent of the Methodist Church. My great-great-grandpa had gave the property for the Methodist Church to be built on. And then my great-grandpa was the um, superintendent, had been the superintendent, I think, for 17 years. And his wife had died. 
And he laid on her grave, I don't know, three or four days, they said, and, and cried. And finally, when he got over it, he got up and went and married her twin sister. It created a lot of uh, a lot of gossip, a lot of problems yeah. <laughs> in the community. It just was not accepted oh, wow. in that day. The heat got so hot on him that he left and went to Shawnee, Oklahoma, and worked on the railroad. So working on that railroad there and living in Shawnee, I, I assume – that that's where he got to know a man by the name of Dave Troutman. And he wound up coming back home, I think, after a couple of years. And uh, Dave Troutman came to our community, came to the Methodist Church, pitched a tent out beside the Methodist Church and started preaching the holiness doctrine, Hmm. you know, the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost. Grandpa embraced that out of his 10 siblings. He was the only one that embraced it. More than one of his daughters, I don't know if all of them received it in the tent meeting, but at least one or two of them received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That tent meeting would happen, I think, two or three years but the last year that it, that it happened there, they went back to church after the tent meeting, and one Sunday morning they was singing "Have Thine Own Way." And my aunt that had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost got to shouting in the Methodist church, and the old mothers of the Methodist church gathered around her and pushed her back to the door, pushed her out the door, and they locked the door on them. Wow! And it was at that point that Grandpa said, "You know, I'm gonna have to do something different." And the only place he had to go was his tobacco barn where he raised tobacco. So they went and started having church in the tobacco barn, and the rest is history. And that's the way it got oh. its name, the Glory Barn. Hmm. They continued to have the tent meetings down there. Dave would come back from Shawnee and have tent meetings. They would have as high as 1,500 people wow. down at that camp meeting. And Man. you can go out in the area there of Kentucky to this day. And probably not near as many now, which I've been gone almost 10 years, but 20 years ago back and we'd go door knocking and things. And it was very common thing to run across older people and say, oh, yeah, I know about that old tent meeting down at the Glory Barn. We would hmm. go down there and come for the show, you know, yeah. the yeah. things that happened. So, yep, that's the way they the way they got it start. They said they would strip tobacco in the daytime and they'd shout and the tobacco dust would fog at night. Huh. And they just, they didn't have a clue, you know, that that tobacco was wrong or anything. They just shouted and and had church, and it had a tremendous impact on that that community. That's awesome. Church still still going on today. Well, God did a tremendous work in your life when you got saved back in 95, is that correct? That's right, yes. And you were called to preach pretty soon after Uh, that? Five years later, year of 2000. Okay. One of the things that stands out to me, Brother David, is you're a man that has a tremendous heart for the lost, but also a tremendous heart for the church. Your ministry, anybody that's been around you, you are a man that is for the church moving forward. I've saw you under a tremendous burden at several places. You know, when we when we were there in 2006 and then the, the years following that, neither one of us had any idea that our ministries would take different turns. Exactly, I've, right. you know, went places that I never never thought I would. And we've both been greatly blessed by that. One of the neatest things to me is you're now pastoring the church that I was raised in and uh, God's using you there. But you are a man that's got a tremendous heart for God's people. But one particular area that you shared with me several years ago, and it may have been one of these revivals that we preached back there years ago, you had a burden for ministers. And I wanted you to come on today and kind of share what your burden is and how that all opened up for you. One of the reasons why I wanted you to talk about this is because it's pretty unusual to me. Your dad's not a minister. 
You know, right. They're very That's faithful right. people, mm-hmm. very you know vital to the church there. Yeah. But you weren't raised in a minister's home, mm-hmm. so for you to have this heart and burden for ministers, it, it stands out to me. God placed it there. You know, I can remember, of course, I got saved uh, there in 1995 and, and just hit that rock, found that rock. <laughs> yeah. From there, I just... I gravitated to preachers. I wasn't even a preacher, but I, I started gravitating toward preachers. And, I, you know, I enjoyed taking them out to eat. I enjoyed talking to them, and I enjoyed supporting them. And I just wanted to see them be blessed as much as possible. You know, I remember telling our church one time, maybe this won't rub anybody the wrong way. Maybe it'll help. But I was like, you know, if a man's going to leave his family and his home and come preach, the least we can do is try to get him a good place to stay. Let's build something nice, you know. And I I just always had a heart for for men who would give their self to the gospel. That always stood out to me. And Brother Don Rich, he came and started preaching there, you know, at the Glory Barn. And I don't know, I think it was with him, as far as older ministers, I got a real really attached to him, I guess be one way to say it. And just uh, we became close. He kind of took interest in me. And from there, just got a burden really for evangelist, but uh, also older ministers, you know, that had given their life to the gospel and just poured their life into it. And I seen that they didn't have the, what would I say here? They didn't have the opportunity to make it in this world like other people did. They were just at the mercies of whatever the people give them. Right. And, yeah. uh, and Dustin's lived that life, yeah. of his dad being an evangelist. And it was just there that I started really getting a burden for evangelist. Yeah. I, I always gravitated toward older ministers, you know, mm-hmm. just I was just thinking last day or two of all the ministers, the older ones that came and preached for me. You know, some of them I didn't even know that well, but Brother Ben Shaw and Brother Jim Suits, and I, you know, I could just go on down, and they were not the camp meeting preachers in that day, but there's something about a man or a woman, either one, that has been through the fire and has been in the ministry for years and years. They can walk up behind that pulpit, and they can say the same thing that a young preacher can say, mm-hmm. but it has 10 times the impact. Mm-hmm. That's not hyperbole. I'm, I believe that's 10 times the impact Agree. as what a, a young person can say because they're just— They've been there, they're seasoned, they've got that experience, and their words, their anointing always just touched my life and really motivated me. And not saying that there's not young preachers that do it too. I I love younger preachers too. Well, man, I got a lot of lot of young preachers friends, but I think my heart has really went out to to older ministers as I've watched them in their ministries. There's no substitute for the voice of experience. That's right. The older minister that I got saved under, Brother Bill Tinsley, uh, one of the men that I pastored in the community there in Arkansas at Prim, he said, as a child, when I would come in the back door of the church and I would see his little top hat that he would wear hanging on one of the pegs in the back of the church, he said, I was like, we are going to have church this weekend. (laughs) Brother Tinsley's here. Oh, man. And that was a feeling that I had as well. Yeah, he was a great one, man. He had come and and stayed, spent time there. You mentioned something about them when they get in retirement years not having anything. I feel like, Brother David, something that maybe has been maybe a weakness is the feeling of I've got to die in the saddle here, you yes. know, and there's mm-hmm. nobody going to pick up 
what happens when I'm in those retirement years or whatever? Well, I think there there is that mentality that I've just I've got to keep going until I die, you know, mm-hmm. and, until the very end of it. I wish that we had something a little bit more for our older ministers. You know, I know we're not organized and I'm not I'm not pushing for that, but I wish that they weren't so much under the gun as they got older because right. not all of them has had the opportunity to really lay up for the future. Right. And so I've I've always just had a heart to see them be able to live comfortable right. as they get older and as they start kind of fading from the limelight, you might say. I don't know if that's the right terminology to use, but, you know, ministry changes. It changes for all of us. Sure. And as you get older, things start changing, ministry starts changing. I know that's got to be a tough thing for them to deal with, too, sometimes, you know, especially those that's played a great part in preaching great camp meetings and things. And then, you know, your younger ones coming mm-hmm. up and they're kind of taking their place in, in another area, right. you know, and everybody's got their place. It's odd because your identity gets tied up in wherever you're working. That's right. It's really easy to say, well, that's Brother Davin's church or that's Brother Devin's church or, you know, and that shouldn't be the way it is, but that's the way people think sometimes. It is. It's hard to separate the identity of the man from the ministry (laughs) or wherever he serves. That's right. Well, you know, we've always said a church will never be more spiritual than its pastor. Who? And and also trouble. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't have said that. Yeah, I know it, it hurts, don't it? Yeah. <laughs> is that is that what we say? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, and you know, also we've seen it where uh, God forbid, but it has happened where uh, there have been pastors who have fallen and fell into some bad sin. And you can look at the church and see where that it opened up a door for things to come into that church when that when that pastor yes. went down and fell. So that church is the identity of a pastor. It kind of seems uncomfortable to say that. We kind of try to, you know, be modest in, in, in the way we approach these kind of things. But at the end of the day, that's the way it is. Your church is your identity. When you think of a man, you think of his church, or when that church's name's called, you automatically think of that man. Yeah. Then when you resign, that's a tough Yes, it is. It's a tough thing. You know, you've been there. Yeah, you do as well. Oh, yeah. I would have never dreamed it. But, you know, I'm on my on pastoring my fifth church and I would have never dreamed that this would have ever happened. You know, I thought the hardest thing that I'd ever do would be to resign my home church where I'd been all my life. Mm -hmm. I found out about a year ago that the older you get, the harder it is Mm -hmm. to pick up stakes and move on. Yeah. It's a very difficult thing. In fact, I think not that I did not love my home church, and I still do, and not that I didn't love the other churches I've pastored. Sure. But as you as you grow older, it is very difficult to pick up and move on down the road. Right. And I look at these brothers that have been at their churches for 30 years, 25 years, 20 yes. years, and on up to 40 years, and see them as the time comes for them to walk away. And I I know a little bit of what they're feeling. I know that I don't know it all. And my heart really goes out to them. Yes, sir. Because mm-hmm. I know that it would be easy to feel like, you know what, I might as well just not throw it away. But, you know, I, I'm of no use anymore. My ministry is 
you know, I don't fit anywhere. You're, you feel out of place. Right. You know, not everybody can switch from a pastor to an evangelist overnight. Right. And I'm one of those people. I'm not an evangelist. I have preached a few revivals alone, but I'm not really an evangelist. My heart is to pastor. And so when I'm, have been between churches. Yeah. That's a very tough time for me, and I know it's got to be for older ministers sure. to try to find that, that yeah. niche that they're in. Well, just going along with that, I think a lot of times when you're talking about the preachers will preach till the day they die, like mm-hmm. they can't, they just stay in the saddle. And I think some of that is from like Brother David was saying about if that's all they know and that has been their sole income for 40, 50 years and if you lose that suddenly, you don't yeah. know what you're going to do financially. You don't know what. And I know it's not all about money. It's their burden that keeps right. them going. But I think that is a huge thing that keeps these ministers going because that's been the you know the, the longest job that they've had. Right. We lean heavily on not being a job. It's a calling. You right. Know? When God places the call, you don't remove that. No. But they're still in life with bills. Sure. And, and functioning just like we are as you alluded to a while ago it is very near and dear to my heart as well since my parents have been evangelists for i don't even know since 80 81 maybe i guess dad was preaching somewhere in there you know watching them and seeing what people have done for them i can't even describe to you how humbling that that is yeah Mm -hmm. but on the flip side I can see it for the miracle that it is, too. Sure. It's not just contained to your family. You know, when you see it happen to somebody else, it's just like, you know, God's people are amazing. And I go back to Brother Sumner's, some of their testimonies that, yes. they, that they gave on here, Brother Scott. It's incredible. It is. And yeah. I can't tell you the times that I've thought back on that. It's just the way that that stuff worked out towards the end of his, his dad's life right. and how he said, you know, yeah. he had a new car in the drive and had a brick home and mm-hmm. all that. That's, that's how God is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. It but is. I appreciate people like Brother David that have that burden for elder ministries, and I want to say that to him tonight. I, I really appreciate that. Well, there, I know there's a lot more that I probably need to do and probably haven't done enough, but, you know, I think sometimes just – calling somebody up and just trying to be of an encouragement yeah. to them. There's so many things that they deal with as ministers deal with. Um, health problems mm-hmm. start limiting yes. your ability and to maintain a rigid schedule. Or yeah. Even your, your preaching. Preaching's hard work. When I started preaching, I was like, I can't believe it drains you like it does. You know, it's mental and physical. Yeah. And it's just, it's unbelievable. And they just, as they grow older, they just can't maintain that. Now, I've talked to a lot of them, you know, and you can hear it in their voice. They're like that old retired uh, fire horse that's standing behind the fence, not able to pull the water buggy anymore. Mm-hmm. But he hears the bell and he's wanting to go. Yeah. He's wanting to jump the fence and go, you know. But there's so many limitations as, as I see them grow older. And yeah, my heart just really really goes out to them. You know, if I could even speak a word, I don't know how many of them, I'm sure a lot of them listen to this, but I just want to say you, you've you got more to offer than than sometimes what you think you Amen. do. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well you're, said. You're still, um, you're still, you may be getting older and you may not be exactly what you was down the road, but you don't have to be like you was back then. Just the very sight of you walking in the door is an encouragement. Yeah. You know, something that struck me, it, it had a profound impact on me as a young preacher. 
I went to a camp meeting at uh, Brother Tommy Tolliver's church, mm-hmm. and they were celebrating, I think it was 30 years for him that day. And one of his deacons got up and he said, I want to thank Brother Tommy for giving his best and his brightest and his most energetic years to this church. Wow. Yeah. And that hit me and I was like, wow, the best years that he had that he could have used that energy to have done something else with. He chose to focus that right there on that church and he made a profound impact Mm -hmm. by what he'd done there. Yeah. And there was something that got down in my soul that day, and I thought, you know, I want to be that kind of a preacher. I, mm-hmm. I want to give myself to the ministry like that. And to this day, to see him uh, with with his health challenges yes. still going on, mm-hmm. still going to camp meetings, still pushing on, refusing to stop, sure. that really does something to me right there. Right. A lot there. of older ministers have came to me and said, I can't do what I used to, but we support you. Yeah. That's humbling. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It is very, very humbling. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking to this subject today, Brother David. It's been a great privilege. Well, and I appreciate you having me on. I've yeah. really enjoyed being here. Yeah. Great honor to be here. Appreciate what you're doing here. I think you're you're being a great help to the young and old alike. You're doing doing a lot of great things here. Appreciate well, this podcast. I hope so. And brother Dustin, brother Brad. I want to thank you guys for giving your best and your brightest years. <laughs> Dude. Does does Pod and me have retirement plans? Yeah. Like a four oh one K or something? It it doesn't have that, but we have one more day of camp meeting. That's tomorrow you guys gonna be here? I I think we've got kitchen duty tomorrow. Oh, so. are you kidding? Okay, well I'll try to be here. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear and want to show support, hit the support link in the description below.